Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. So let's read Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Jesus' first recorded public sermon that he starts. He starts right here. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I could imagine the entire crowd and the disciples kind of just like, what? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, people, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say things, all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see these statements of blessed are those. These eight statements of blessed are those who do this for they will inherit this. Jesus was this backwards thinking, and it would be a shame for us to pass by that word blessed and not fully understand what that means in this context. See, the word blessed in the original language right here means happiness, contentment, fortunate, or state of joyful mind. It means happiness, contentment, or fortunate, or state of joyful mind, meaning that actually this is the fulfillment on our life here on earth. Blessed. The fulfillment of life here on earth. So how many know we're not just going to experience true life in heaven, but we have this great promise that we, we get to experience true life here on earth too. Hello? We're also meant to live it out here on earth. See, Jesus didn't just come to die on the cross to redeem you from sin, then raise from the dead to enable your ticket to heaven, which is the gospel message. But in addition to the gospel message, Jesus also came to enable you to experience healing in this life. His word says that by his stripes we are healed. So we actually can get emotional and physical healing in this life. Jesus didn't just come to give you a ticket to heaven. He came to give you healing in this life. Jesus also came to enable you to experience purpose in this life. You might have come in here today going, I don't know what my purpose is, but can I tell you, you come to Jesus and he gives you purpose for your every breath and every move and everything that you do. Jesus gives you purpose. He also came to enable joy within you. True joy that every time you come up against a trial, every time you come up against a storm, you can stand in assurance with the same power like we talked about last week. They conquered the great living in you. You can stand with joy in every single circumstance. The list could go on and on and on of all the goodness and blessedness and inheritance that we can have in this life. See, we should be experiencing and outworking the promise of heaven here and now. This is the supreme 
blessedness. This is the Beatitudes. So today I want to spend the remainder of our time together primarily focusing on the first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to us. I pray that our ears will be open, our minds will be open, our hearts will be open to receive your word today. Even if we've heard a message like this before, God, I pray that something will settle in our hearts and we will make a, we will make a change today. Lord, I pray inside of us that you will do a mighty work. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. You know, uh, I remember a time when Brianna and I had very little. I was 25. She was 23. We were eight months pregnant with our first son, Emerson. And uh, he was about to come out ready to pop, just like Cassidy Westberg. Are you ready to pop yet? Come on, we're ready for church growth. Come on. But I tell you what, eight months in, and we had this crazy idea, and our pastor kind of talked us into it, to buy a house. 25 and 23. And there was this government grant at the time. Thank God for that government grant. We were on a ministry salary, and so that government grant got us our very first house. Now, this was a cheap house back in the day uh, with, you know, before the, the spike of housing and all that stuff. But we got into this house, and it was a dream. And for the first two months, we didn't have payments. So can I tell you, we were just loving life. We went out and bought some new couches, and we're like, this is great. All of a sudden, that first payment hit. And for about two years, we were house poor. We barely made enough money to survive. I remember we had to cut everything that was extra and excess in our life. We even cut streaming services. I know it's crazy. You know what else we cut? We cut internet in our house for an entire year and a half. I know. We were living off the grid in a suburb somewhere. It was crazy. Man, I, we got to the place where I told Brandon, I'm like, Either I have to go deliver pizzas on the side, or we got to bring in some people to live in our house. And so we invited two crazy strangers to live in our house. And Jordan Westberg, with the bandana today, came and lived in our house. Isn't that amazing? Would you wave at everybody leading worship today? That was some of our first experiences. Still a, still a son in the faith. It's weird. But we, we did anything we could to make money, to make ends meet. And we were to the place where we didn't have money to go on a date. We didn't have money for that. We had $20 a month for entertainment. Has anybody ever been in this place before where you're just like, there was three of you. Great. This is going to be a good message for you guys. You know what I'm saying? But we had $20 a month. And I remember Brianna and I would go to a random store, Target, and we would buy a card game or we would buy a board game. And after our son would go to sleep, because we couldn't afford a babysitter, we couldn't afford to go out, we would sit down at our table, drink some tea, and play some board games till late at night. You know, even sitting back now, when we look back at those times, I'm so fond of those times, and I remember such joy and satisfaction in those moments that Brianna and I would sit down at that. It's interesting because I don't, when I think back even five years, I don't even remember the times when we're sitting on the couch binge-watching a Netflix show. But I remember sitting at the table enjoying the company of my wife. Isn't that interesting? It's so different. See, even in our lowest moments, it's nothing compared to what other people experience in this world. 
when I was 15 with my youth group, we got in a plane and went down to do Hurricane Katrina relief work. And we were walking the streets where the hurricane had just absolutely destroyed all these streets. There was buildings that were flipped upside down and cars flipped upside down all throughout these neighborhoods. And every single house had an X on it, a red X, and it would tell if there was a dead body found in that house. Devastation throughout the entire place. We were helping feed people and helping people that had nothing and little to nothing. And I remember walking up to this lady's house one day because they asked us to come in and clear out her house and get it ready to be rebuilt because she just got her insurance claim. So we came. It was our whole youth ministry. And we come to this house. And I remember walking in the front door and it was covered in mold. We had to wear masks and all this stuff. And there were family pictures that we just had to grab and throw into the front yard. There was family albums that we were pulling out these cardboard boxes covered in mold and just throwing them away in a giant pile. We were upstairs ripping out sheetrock and this, and this uh, you know, call comes from downstairs. She's here. She's here. So we all run downstairs into the living room. And there comes this, this lady with her three kids with smile from ear to ear, so excited that we were there. I'm thinking this lady's going to come in bawling her eyes out because of what we've just done. All of her belongings are on the front yard. And yet she comes in, smile on her face, grabs each and every one of us and gives us all a hug. And then she rallies us all and prays a blessing over all of us. I will never forget that moment. Prays for us. Then she gets up and leaves, and two hours later, she shows up with Popeye's chicken. The first time I ever had Popeye's. I'm from Seattle. There was no Popeye's up there at that time. So let me tell you, it was a game changer, and uh, thank you, God. But she shows up with Popeye's. But it's so interesting. Like, how is it possible for people to find joy in circumstances like that? It seems so backwards. It seems so upside down. I pray that today, Gray City, Tampa that we're able to tap into the teaching of Jesus and experience that same kind of fulfillment. See, Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the good news of today is, blessed are the poor of spirit. Blessed are the poor of spirit. Like, I don't even know half the time what Jesus is talking about, but right here he's talking about this true fulfillment, happiness in this life, this contentment, state of joy in mind is found when we're poor in spirit. It's funny because in the original sermon, Jesus would have just been talking. We're taking an entire 30-minute section to talk about this one line. Jesus would have just said it. He would have dropped this bombshell, and no one would have even really known what he was talking about in the moment. Aren't you grateful that today we have the ability to go back through this and learn it? So the key here, the key in the scripture, and if you don't hear anything else today, I pray you hear this today. The key is this word poor. See, it's not talking about having no money or nothing. That's how we affiliate the word poor. We go, yeah, it's no money or you have nothing. You are poor. But this word poor actually in the original language means as to be dependent on others for support. As to be dependent on others for support. I love the way that the New Living Translation says it. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The contemporary English version says it like this. God blesses those people who depend on him or only on him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus is saying poor in spirit, he's meaning dependent on him. Do we see this today? Are you with me, church? 
Let me explain it one more time like this. Blessed are those who are so spiritually poor that they understand that they need to be dependent on the support of God. Then they will inherit the kingdom of God. How did Brianna and I experience happiness in one of the lowest moments financially in our life? Because of the support of others. How did the lady experience happiness when we came into her house and all of her belongings were on the front yard with her three little kids there with all their toys in the front yard because of the support of others? We were dependent on other people and we experienced the great blessedness, the great supreme blessedness that God wants to offer to us. And these were just minor blessings in this life. And how much more, how much more does the God of all creation have to offer us when we spiritually come to him in need, approaching the Lord with desperation for him to do something in our lives? How much more? How much more? So far beyond what we can even fathom, supreme blessedness, inheriting the kingdom of heaven here on earth, how much more? We live in America where, honestly, most of the time, and even I asked, and three people raised their hand, most of the time, uh, we have everything that we need. Even in Brianna's lowest time, we still had a car to drive, we had a house to live in, and we still had food in our bellies. I'm, I'm like saying we were house poor, but we still had more than most people on the entire planet. So sometimes it's hard for us to understand, to understand what it looks like to be poor, what, it really, what poverty really looks like. You know that uh, it's actually 10%, it's, more specifically, it's 9.2% of the world lives off of $1.90 a day. That's $693.50 a year as an annual salary people are living off of on the planet Earth. So why I tell you this is not to be a downer, I don't want you to get down about this, but I, and I don't want to belittle our issues because every single one of us have needs and we have issues and we, we need God to do miracles in our lives. But so often it's hard for us to get perspective of what it looks like to be spiritually poor when we have everything that we need. Are you with me? I'm not trying to belittle our issues. See, we have to break the mindsets of culture we have to break the past, an easy path before us, and position ourselves into a place where we can spiritually be dependent on God. I watched this Netflix special with my kids uh, this last week, and it was, it was an animal special, trying to teach them things about the world without me actually having to describe it. You know what I'm saying. Thank you, Lord. But we watched this Netflix special, and it's just talking about all these, like, animals with their babies and all these things and it gets to this spot where this horse is on this this scene and I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat like what's about to happen get the remote in your hand like and they're talking about how this horse is about to give birth to this baby and luckily it didn't show anything but my kids are asking a million questions right here right they're like dad what's happening to this horse like it, something's wrong and the the narrator's like talking you know pretty grotesque in the way he's talking about it we're like this is gonna get really interesting so I'm like getting ready to cover their eyes and I'm like Dear Lord, all of a sudden this horse comes out and the next scene, the horse gets up and starts walking around. Now it's about two hours that a horse can actually get up and walk around, but it's crazy because these, these baby horses within two hours are no longer fully dependent on their mothers. They just get up and they walk around and they're already active. And yes, they need a little bit of help to be trained, but they just do their own thing. Now, 
if you're a parent or you've ever been a parent or if you've ever been around a human baby, this is not the case. All that human babies can do when they come out is scream, poop, and eat. You know what I'm saying? They're like little, little bundles of flesh that do a whole lot of nothing. Now, these babies, when they first come out, they are so dependent on their parents for help. Human babies can't do anything. Like, even within the first two years, some, sometimes I'm like, come on, can you please just learn to do something? You know what I'm saying? Like, Josh and Carrie just had their third baby, Jericho, this last week. The church is growing. First baby of Grace City, Tampa. They're not here, but uh, they will be. Recovering. But, you know, when the baby first comes out, it's so reliant. It needs swaddling. It needs to be fed. It needs to be changed. It needs every single thing. They only know how to, like, look for food, and that's pretty much it. These little babies are so helpless, and they need all the time. For the first year of a baby's life, you really don't get anything from them. Maybe a little smile. Maybe a little giggle. That's what you receive is, like, like your reward for investing everything into this. Like you lose your life in so many ways to take care of this. Sorry, guys. You lose your, your life in so many ways to take care of this baby. And the only thing they give you in return is a smile or a giggle. It changes now, and I'm so thankful for that. It's, it's an amazing exchange as a parent. But this is really, I bring all this up to say, this is really the same approach we're to have towards God. See, God doesn't need anything from us. He will rule and reign no matter what happens or whatever you give him. It doesn't matter. But your level of dependency results in the level of life that you'll live. We need to come with that same kind of dependency, knowing that our reaction has no effect on God. He is God. He is supreme. He rules and reigns in everything that he does. We just need to approach him humbly, ready for him to to do what he wants to do. Acts 17 says it this way in 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and the earth does n- and, and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, meaning he's not dependent on us at all. Verse 25, he's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So meaning it's him that gives us what we need and sometimes even what we want. Verse 26, from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So meaning, you have been appointed and given a purpose in this life. You were set in a boundary on purpose in Tampa for such a time as this by God. We have to understand the sovereign hand of God in our lives. You're here for a reason. There's a purpose to the reason that you're in this room right now. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. See, he positioned you in a place where you need to search for him, and when you do, you will find him. In verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. So meaning, as his children, we have to know that it's in him we we find our living and our moving and have our being. It's not in us, it's in him. Amen? So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So are we understanding today the dependency that we're meant to have on God? This spiritual dependency, this spiritual reliance on God 
means that you get this supreme blessedness in your life. Your supreme dependency equals your supreme blessedness in your life. One more thing I see from this scripture. I want us all to see. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word theirs. This word is defined, used to refer a thing or things belonging to or associated with two or more people. It's used to refer to a thing or things that belong to or associated with two or more people. So what does this mean for us? It means that this is our inheritance. It means that we, it belongs to us. The word he's using there is a word that means that it's actually ours. So another way to put it, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit for they are associated with the kingdom of heaven. It's about ownership. It's about inheritance. The kingdom of heaven in this life and the next. I'm going to invite the band up as I take a conclusion it all comes back to Jesus. Amen? Like everything that we do, everything about faith comes back to Jesus. And we have to understand that. Like this scripture without Jesus could be meaningless to us. And we have to understand the power of what it looks like. It comes back to our dependency on him. We not only find salvation through Jesus, and we not only find redemption of our sins, but we also find the way to live. He is a true example of how to outlive the kingdom of God. This is the gospel. See, Jesus redeems, he sanctifies, he heals, and he is the example. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when we live like Jesus, when we act like Jesus, when we walk like Jesus, we then start to live out the kingdom of God. Jesus is the best example. That's why I say it all comes back to him. Jesus is the best example of what it means to be completely dependent on God. See, even all the way to the cross, he says this phrase, Eli, Eli, Limai Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see in this moment a complete reliance on God. Jesus, who could have at one word called for the angels, legions of angels to come and remove him from the cross, yet chose to be fully dependent on God in this moment. He understood what it meant to lay down his life at the call that God had for him. See, Jesus knew for our sake that he had to show us true mercy, which means we don't get what we deserve. And he chose in that moment to show us True grace, which means we're given what we don't deserve. Church, all sin has to be met with a price, and that price is death. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, our sins cannot be forgiven without Jesus. Jesus' life being taken on the cross. That sacrifice enables eternal life in Christ Jesus. So why did I take this little rabbit trail? I diverged from the Beatitudes talking about the supreme blessedness and dependency on God to talk about Jesus. And the reason I did that, it's very important, is we can never remember what Jesus did enough, but also this is the approach we're to take. This is the same kind of reliance we're to show when approaching God. We need to become so dependent on God that no matter what life throws at us, 
we don't take matters into our own hands. Can I say that again? I want to make sure it clicks. We need to be so dependent on God that no matter what life throws at us, we don't take matters into our own hands. Jesus is an example. Life has thrown the worst of the worst of the worst at him. I think this is the moment when Christians walk away from faith. I think that's the moment. Why I say that is, for some reason in our humanity, when things are going wrong, when things are hard, we try to take it back into our own hands. We try to, try to take control of things. We're in the hardest moments of our lives. When we're in the, the worst, deepest pits of our lives, we try to take matters into our own hands. But dependency on God means that we fully give Him that control and we rely on Him fully. Amen? So you know what Jesus inherited when He raised from the dead? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the kingdom of heaven. You know what we inherit when we're spiritually dependent on God? The kingdom of heaven in this life and the next. We have to be dependent. So blessed to the poor in spirit. Amen? Blessed to the poor in spirit. Last quick thing I want to highlight. Matthew 5, 1 through 2. The beginning of this great introduction of Jesus in his very first sermon recorded in the Bible. It says this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. He began to rebuke them, reprimand them, chastise them, demand them. No. Jesus, the lover of our souls. It says... He began to teach them. Jesus began to teach them. This word teach is defined the same in English and in the original language. It simply means to show or explain to someone how to do something. Somebody needs to hear this today. To show or explain to someone how to do something. See, Jesus approaches with grace. Aren't you grateful today, Grace City Tampa, that we serve a God that approaches you with such grace and mercy that even when you're living outside of the lines of inheriting all the life that he has for us, the gift, the, the gift of true life, that he comes with grace and mercy and with open doors into the process. He's the God of process. You don't have to arrive anywhere, you just have to be arriving. He's not looking for you to be complete. He's coming, kneeling down, sitting with you, grabbing your hand and saying, come along in the journey. I want to teach you. I want to show you. I know you're not quite there yet. I know you haven't learned all the things yet. I know you're still struggling with that thing. I know you're still going through that, that doubt and that fear. I know that maybe you're still struggling with that addiction. I know the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but let me sit down with you and let me teach you the way to inherit the eternal life, the kingdom of heaven that we can have in this life and in the next, the healing, the purpose, the joy, the promise of the almighty God. He's sitting down with you and teaching you. Aren't you grateful for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Would you stand to your feet today? Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.